0: To be fair, my go-to is just Yorkshire tea, which is a brand of tea that we have in the UK.
1: Okay. The only reason I know about Yorkshire tea is there was like a meme video that was going around where... (laughs) Hello. uh, There was a meme video going around. Oh, yeah, we're talking about tea. What's the tea? Not that kind of tea. (laughs) So Ness said uh, that she drinks Yorkshire tea, and the only reason I know that name is there's like a video I saw on Twitter where different British kids are arguing about what the best tea type is. It is Yorkshire. Yeah. Okay. Because one guy picks says he just gets twinings (gasps) Uh, well twinings twinings is awfully posh
0: that's English breakfast tea but
1: they make fun of him for being posh when he picks that someone says it's PG tips or nothing Eh. and then the posh guy goes PG tips and then a girl in the back of the they're in a car the girl in the back she goes I drink Yorkshire tea and the other two go
0: Yorkshire tea
1: and they're very upset at her so Yorkshire uh, tea is
0: the real tea
1: Yorkshire Yorkshire tea is the tea it is okay I'll, I'll take note that so that I, mm. I i always drink yorkshire tea and i'll look like a true uh tea drinker
0: <laughs> yeah but how do you how would you drink it like what would you put in it
1: uh hot water yes and a cup uh do i put am i supposed to put in sugar i have no idea what to do well, it, <laughs> de- depends, de- it depends it depends how much you're gonna go
0: the, oh, the yorkshire what's what the
1: most yorkshire
0: the most That's yorkshire you can go is two sugars and milk
1: Okay, got it. I will do that. Yeah, and I'll get a crumpet as well, Ooh. which I've. Are those good or not? Is it just stereotypical? It depends
0: what you mean by crumpet.
1: I mean like fat English muffin, because I've had someone sent me because I made fun of British food on Potterless, <laughs> so someone sent me British food, uh, and it was everything was delicious. But the best thing was there were these crumpets that like they looked like what we call in America English muffins, but they were like bigger and they had the really big nooks and crannies, yeah, like yeah. The That's little the crumpet, holes in them. Yeah. Okay, they were they divine. Are, they are. And
0: you put you toast it. And put loads of butter on it.
1: Yes. Oh my god. god. it was so good. There were only six of them and they lasted like uh, a
0: one minute. Day.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I eat those three at a time if we find yeah. in the house. So. <laughs> Try it That's what Kelly and I did.
0: Try it with garlic butter. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Change your life.
2: Okay. Honestly, best thing ever.
1: Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our smart and sassy friends and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schubert. I'm notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judges' table, letting others duke it out instead. Our contestants this week are a lovely group of humans that I've had the pleasure of meeting at LeakyCon. It is the house of Chris Ness. It's Chris and Ness. How is it going? Hey, Hello. Hey, Shubs. am so happy to have you on, and I'm also very happy to know that you didn't realize until two minutes ago that you would be going against each other. Yeah, so. this, is, this is news <laughs> to us.
0: I thought there was another team.
1: <laughs> I was all prepared for, like,
2: the House of Christmas to be Versus... fully, like, able to discuss.
0: Yeah.
1: No, no. <laughs> No discussion. Yeah, we're, we're putting a division in the house. It's going to become a split level and just right down the middle, a house divided, hopefully it can still stand after one of you have won this incredible competition. Now it is for charity, so let's talk about the charities that you'll be playing for. So Ness, who will you be playing for in this episode?
0: I am playing for the Albert Kennedy Trust, which is a charity here in the UK. It provides long-term, short-term and help for LGBTQIA plus young people uh, who need help with housing. If they are feeling unsafe in their current housing situation, they can help long and short-term. All
2: right, great. That's fantastic. How about you, Chris? I am playing for Transfiguring Adoption, who are based in Florida. Gorgeous bunch of people, lovely charity that I met. At a convention, oh, a while ago now, over in the States, who do amazing work with fostered and adoptive kids and their foster families and adoptive families for the parents and for the children, they work at sort of both levels of helping fosterers who might have foster kids who have very specific needs that they've not had to deal with before, or it might be that the kids need some sort of help in this new situation they're going into, but they're delightful
1: people and they do fabulous work. That is great. It sounds fantastic. And I'm glad that we can have something positive for Florida on this podcast because a lot of the episodes I do are about (laughs) Encyclopedia Brown, which takes place in fictional Florida. So we do a lot of dunking on Florida in this podcast. So I'm glad that you are changing our perception as to Florida. And now, you know, maybe fictional Florida has some problems, but at least there's some bright spots in real Florida. Sure. Hooray. (laughs) The problem is, is we're tourists. So Florida to us is just holiday time. Oh, it's just Disney World and Universal Studios and all the fun (laughs) stuff and not, you know... Disappointing us in November of this year. (laughs) Yeah. Again. Again. Uh, How dare they? Well, let's talk about how the game actually works. So I have recapped some mysteries from Scooby-Doo, the esteemed animated television program, specifically from What's New Scooby-Doo, the 2002 reboot, which I absolutely adore. You have not watched these episodes before, at least to my knowledge. I'll go through the mysteries. I'll let you all lay out your accusations of who did it, what was their motive, and there will be points awarded for correct guesses, but there are also bonus points at stake. If you say anything particularly funny that I find tickles my fancy, i give you a bonus point because that makes me happy in 2020. If you give a ridiculous guess that is completely off the walls, I'm also here for it as well. And you'll also get a bonus point if there's a Misery Loves Company where if your guess matches my incorrect guess, I'll give a bonus point out as well. <laughs> and if the score is still tied at the end of these three rounds, we will go to a sudden death riddle.
0: Dun, dun, dun. But...
1: We'll see if it even comes to that. Do either of you two have a history with mystery novels or TV shows? Are you into it? Are you big whodunit fans?
0: We do watch a lot of like unsolved mystery kind of TV shows, don't we?
2: Yeah, we do love a mystery. We do love a conspiracy. Oh yeah. Historically terrible at getting it right, though.
0: Yeah. (laughs) When I was younger, I used to watch a lot of Scooby Doo, but you know the old Scooby Doo, like where you had just three panels of background animation and they keep running those over and over kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is fantastic. Well, let's get into our first mystery, which is called Recipe for Disaster. So the opening scene in this, as it always is for What's New Scooby-Doo, is you see someone in peril first, and then we cut to the gang <laughs> second. So the people in peril here, there is a man and a woman who are dressed up in full Mission Impossible spy gear, and they are breaking into, and I kid you not, the Scooby Snacks headquarters. How could so they? So are, they are repelling their way in. They start to try to steal the secret formula when they are attacked by a giant sludge-looking chocolate monster. So just this big, goopy, gloopy monster. And as he attacks the people, one of the two spies, if you will, falls down just like this giant gap. Then they just cut to the gang driving around in the mystery machine in, and I kid you not again, they are driving in a town called Munchville, Ohio.
2: I've been to Munchville, Ohio. (laughs) It's a
1: real place. Honestly, I would believe it for Ohio, but they say that Munchville, Ohio is the snack capital of the world. I wanna go. That sounds so
2: Ohio, doesn't it? We went to a place called Ironton in Ohio for an event last
1: year. Yeah. And it was called Ironton because it was a town that did iron. So yeah, they're driving in Munchville, Ohio, they are passing factory after factory of all of these fictional snack companies, but finally they arrive at the Scooby Snack Factory, and the reason they are there is because Shaggy found a a one-in-a-million golden biscuit inside of a box of Scooby Snacks, and the two options for your prize were either to go on an all-expenses-paid trip to Aruba, or to Munchville, Ohio, to visit the factory. Aruba? Yes, Aruba. So you could either go on a trip to Aruba or the factory where they make Scooby Snacks, and Shaggy obviously chose the Scooby Snack tour. Shaggy's just in
0: the van like, Aruba, fuck Aruba,
1: Munchville. (laughs) What's funny is this is a point of contention between Shaggy and Daphne, because Daphne is very upset that they didn't get to go to Aruba. But I don't know if they would have got five tickets to Aruba. So I don't really know if Daphne has the grounds to be upset here. I don't know. (laughs) They arrive at the factory, and they are greeted by Penelope Bailey. Penelope Bailey, who, of course, I have identified as she has to be guilty because my rules for guessing Scooby-Doo is the first person you meet is always my guess (laughs) of who is guilty. So they're greeted by Penelope Bailey and her father, Ernest Bailey. Of the... Bailey Cream Liqueur Dynasty. Oh, maybe that's it. They got their money from making Bailey's Irish Cream and then now their passion project And then they
0: outsourced to Scooby Snacks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their passion project is making either dog treats or human snacks. We'll never find out what Scooby Snacks <laughs> yeah. actually are. The world will never know. But Ernest Bailey is dressed exactly like Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. Amazing. Uh, this has already got Willy Wonka vibes. He is dressed almost identically. He does not do a somersault in the beginning and everything, but uh, he's pretty ew. close. So they begin the tour, and Ernest keeps falling asleep along the way, which I can relate to. As <laughs> me, I, I me. mean, <laughs> when I was an engineer, it was a bad time. I fell asleep in meetings more than (laughs) 10 times, and that is uh, 10 plus too many. Like, I, it was a serious problem that like, if I'm in a meeting and I'm bored, I will fall asleep. So it's good that my job now is uh, never a dull moment because I'm always talking to people. (laughs) (laughs) So he keeps falling asleep, and Penelope says that he hasn't been getting enough sleep lately but doesn't get into why just yet. Penelope also mentions along the tour that she is allergic to Scooby Snacks. They make her break out in hives, which feels... Not great for someone who they never say what her position is, but it is assumed that she is in charge of the factory. So it doesn't seem like a smart decision for Penelope. Not ideal.
0: And it also, like, if this woman's breaking out in hives, how do we know she's not the gloopy monster? She just put some, like, oatmeal on herself. It's <laughs> like, who are these people in my factory whilst I've got hives? <laughs> Oh, the spies. Oh, they're running away from me.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love the oatmeal theory. It's fun because we don't know what the gloop is just yet. Yeah. So the tour ends very abruptly as Penelope says that the factory line itself is off limits. There was a point where they drove by in this little mini golf cart thing and they got nasty evil eyed by one of the factory workers on the line. <laughs> so she warns that that part of the factory is off limits. And then when Shaggy says, isn't there anything else you can show us? She goes, no, the rest of the factory is terribly messy. Why? So a bit of a suspicious reasoning. Mm. They don't get into it just yet.
0: Money laundering. (laughs) That's what they're doing.
1: All right, that's going to be a bonus point for Ness. for Assuming that this is Breaking Bad Scooby Snack Edition, where this is all a front. So they drop the gang off at the gift shop. And before they walk in, Shaggy and Scooby smell the sweet wafts of... Scooby Snacks, so they follow these visible odor lines you can see in the cartoon, and it gets to this giant machine that is pumping out Scooby Snack batter, and when they are there, they get yelled at by that worker who gave them the nasty eye before. Turns out he is a very German man named Mr. Moss T. Meister. So he's Mr. Meister, and he is the quality <laughs> specialist. All of the names of people in What's New Scooby-Doo are absolutely incredible.
0: Mr. Musty Meister. That's great alliteration. Yeah.
1: It's very fun. Hello, we kids. <laughs> I don't know why he's so camp. No. Oh, that is worthy of bonus point for that incredible impression thank you very much Dankeschön.
0: alles <laughs> klar <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he as the quality specialist is very afraid of contamination so he yells quite intensely at Shaggy and Scooby for being so close to the Scooby snack batter and Shaggy says he just wants a taste and Meister warns them that someone else just wanted a taste but they fell into the machine and got <gasps> mutilated into oh. the giant sludge monster made out of Scooby snack batter so this is what we would at least assume is the monster that we saw before. It's a giant Scooby snack batter-covered creature.
0: Surely if mystery went going to solve this mystery, Shaggy and Scooby would be so overcome by like this batter, they'd just lick it off and find the person underneath. And they would for oh, once well, maybe not they, be maybe afraid Maybe they still
1: will. Shag and Scooby do joke that when they learn the monster is made out of this, they do, they do say, "Oh, finally a monster we're not going to be afraid of." So you <laughs> hit the you. nail on the head. Yeah. So the gang is in the gift shop. They are trying to buy different Scooby Snack merchandise. They actually Velma wants to buy a really cute Scooby Snack sweater. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, it's a really good look. She tries to buy it, but the employee at the register is absolutely struggling. She knocks over a display on the way to the register. She says that it's her first day, and her name is Trudy, and she's just having a bad one she tries to ring up the sweater in the register and she pricks her finger so she runs off to go get a first aid kit just a mess of a day for Trudy here So Shaggy and Scooby, on their way to meet back up with the gang, they run into the monster and the gang sees them being chased. There is a point in this chase scene where Shaggy and Scooby almost get wrecked by a giant fan, so it's very reminiscent of the original Willy Wonka where the fizzy lifting drink almost has them fly into the fan. Oh, yeah. While the chase scene ends, Penelope and Ernest return, and they say that all of the workers in the factory have been scared off by the monster, and if they aren't able to get this monster situation under control, Ernest will have to shut down down the factory and mid sentence he falls asleep this time <laughs> and penelope reveals now that the reason that he hasn't been getting good sleep is that he's a sleepwalker so his sleep isn't particularly restful
0: mm. okay the plot thickens
1: so does the batter so Fred. oh nice okay bonus point nah, for a pun <laughs> So Fred, Daphne, and Velma start looking for clues. While they split up, Fred is alone, and he sees someone in full spy garb run by. So he chases after the spy. Daphne and Velma notice that the power is on a timer, so someone is setting the power to go off in the factory. It went off during the chase scene, so it's further thinking that it could be an inside job if someone was able to turn off the power. Mm. Fred, when he follows the spy, sees her take off her mask, which seems like a bad decision if you're a spy.
0: That's like the first rule of spy school. Yeah,
1: that's (laughs) Spy 101. Yeah, he notices that it is a lady. He's too far away to make out who it is, but he sees someone with long hair, and he assumes assumes at this point that it's some sort of woman spy maybe it's the woman spy from the intro that we saw who's to know so as fred approaches her to get closer he realizes that this woman isn't just a random woman it's actually Trudy from the gift shop oh my god so He thinks this is incredibly suspicious. He tries to chase after her even further, but loses track of her around a corner. There is a point where she looks at a giant vat of Scooby snack batter and smirks, but we don't see anything. I'm just letting that be known as a clue to the viewer that you might not have been able to know from a detail. She sees the batter and smirks during this chase, and then Fred loses track of her. But Fred is stopped by Mr. Meister, who yells at him, thinking that Fred is actually a spy after the secret recipe, and Fred has to convince him, no. I'm trying to help all of you, I promise. So there's another chase scene. Shaggy and Scooby meet up with the gang. There is a point where they all start looking for clues again. And Velma, while they're looking for clues, sees that there are two hazmat suits, so similar to the suit that Mr. Meister was wearing when he was working on the line. Two of those suits are missing, and then they hear a scream. They follow the scream, and they see Penelope from before. She is tied up in a chair surrounded by snack batter. None of it's on her, but it's all over the room and stuff to the sides of her where the chair is. And she tells them that Ernest was sleepwalking. So she went after to make sure he was okay, but then the monster attacked. So there is a file chase scene and a reveal happens of who is behind the monster. So I turn to the two of you. Who do you think is the Scooby Snack Monster? And what are their malicious intents?
2: Okay, I had a couple of theories, one of which vanished when we discovered that it was Trudy from the gift shop in a spy costume. My guess is that it is, in fact, Mr. Bailey, our Willy Wonka Empresario himself (laughs) Uh, only because i don't understand why on earth we need to know that he's a sleepwalker like classic misdirection who cares this is during the well this is you know if he's if he's at work he shouldn't be asleep to be sleepwalking sure i get that it's you know disturbing his day but sleepwalking uh i think that's just an excuse for like oh no i have no idea how i ended up here covered in batter hmm not a clue but you it's, think
0: he's like i have no idea how i woke up in the woman's restroom wearing no clothes I'm like, oh my god
2: yeah I mr think, uh,
0: bailey's a pervert now by the way i think
2: mr <laughs> bailey is using his sleepwalking as an excuse for getting up to no good got it all right ness how about you
0: i think it's penelope bailey the daughter you
2: think she's self-sabotaged yes you think she's tied herself to a chair and spread batter
0: well this is the thing is she allergic we don't know i haven't seen a doctor's note
2: Mm. you know i've forgotten about the allergies yeah
0: i I haven't seen a doctor's note i think her father has classic narcolepsy he just fallen asleep and walking around everywhere bless him maybe he bought the factory was like yo penelope i bought this factory and she's like dad i'm allergic (laughs) how can you forget this This is like my sixth birthday when you didn't bring me a present. (laughs)
2: So So you think she's a bit, it's the allergy to the batter that turns her into a monster?
0: I don't know. I'm just saying, right? I think she's angry at her dad because, you know, this factory, and she's like, oh my God, he's sleepwalking again. God damn it. I need to get daddy's attention. Love me, daddy.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm happy to say that, Ness, you are correct in who was behind it. The motive was off, though, but I still gave you three points for getting it right. She was doing it because of people trying to steal the secret recipe. She wanted to make people afraid of breaking in for the secret recipe. So she created this monster, which is just her covered in all of the stuff. And she created this idea so that people would stop trying to steal it. It would scare all of the people away. The old guy did just have classic narcolepsy, so it was just a misdirect. There was no real substance to it. It was just to throw people off the scent. And the way she avoided the allergy was those hazmat suits that went missing, she always wore that before covering herself in the batter. And that also made her a bit bigger. You see, if you'd let me keep notes, I might have been a bit better at that. <laughs> oh. No. Before recording, Chris was told and he was not allowed to take notes because Ness didn't have a place to take notes. So it's a full (laughs) off the dome edition here. So at the end of this first round, Ness has a four to two lead. So those bonus points have kept you in the running. It's all good, Chris. Take that. For now. This episode of Meddling Adults is brought to you by Monk Pack. Now, let's be honest. We've all had some healthy snack bars from time to time and they're usually disappointing in the taste department. They'll taste like cardboard. They'll break apart in a million pieces. They won't satisfy your tummy or your cravings. But Monk Pack is here to fix all of that because they make snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but they only have one gram of sugar or less. They've two to three grams of net carbs and they're only 150 calories. Whether you're following the keto lifestyle or you just want a snack and you're someone that is trying to eat better or cut back on sugar or carbs and you don't want to sacrifice taste, these bars are perfect for you. I try to eat healthy and I find it harder to snack healthy because it's very tempting to want to get all sorts of cookies and sweets and treats and things like that. But the nut and seed bars from Monk Pack that I had really did satisfy those sweet cravings, but didn't have all the downsides that come along with sweet snacks. So if I'm up late working on podcast stuff or I don't have enough time to make breakfast or I just need a snack in the middle of the day and I'm feeling a little little tired and I want something to give me a little boost of energy, these bars from Pack are perfect. The bars have a perfect balance of sweet and salty, they have a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but they still manage to be soft and chewy. It's a really nice dichotomy they've got going on. And they come in delicious flavors like caramel sea salt, sea salt dark chocolate, and peanut butter dark chocolate. That final flavor I just mentioned, peanut butter dark chocolate, is my favorite. It is just so good. Getting the creaminess of the peanut butter with that really nice dark chocolate taste along with the nuts and the seeds. Oh, it's, it was just a recipe for success and I was very sad when I ate my last one. So try it for yourself and you'll see. As a Meddling Adults listener, you have a special deal. You'll get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering the promo code MEDDLING at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction Satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's m u n k p a c k.com and select any product, then enter the code meddling at checkout and save 20% off your purchase. Monkpack is delicious, nutritious food that you can count on, and thanks to Monkpack for sponsoring the podcast. <music> So we move on to our second mystery, which is called Ready to Scare. Now, this is a very special Scooby Doo one because it takes place in Paris. Oh, la la. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first opening scene we see is a fashion expo. They are having a rehearsal for it outside of Notre Dame, rip, 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 in Paris. (laughs) It's a building, like, when people were all up in arms at the building burned down, it's like, there's people that are not doing so well, like, yeah, you know, if I I had a billion dollars to give away, I'd
2: probably give it to, you know, the climate rather than the Catholic Church.
1: Or, you know, kids who are starving. Right, you know, humans, not a tourist trap, like, it is sad, it is also a building.
0: (laughs) Do we need to give more money to the Catholic Church? No, they're good. I think they're, we're good.
1: They're, they're, they're good. I think we're good. As someone that is Catholic and went to K-3 Catholic school in high school, we're all right. <laughs> so, they're at Notre Dame. Clearly, this was made in 2002. But the models are practicing their, their runway walks. And these models are on rollerblades. So, uh, very here for this. Now, while they are doing this rollerblade model situation, a gargoyle at the top of Notre Dame comes to life, flies down. Picks up one of the models and flies away. And the the fashion designer, the director, (laughs) the guy in charge screams, Danica, no! as she is (laughs) being stolen. Danica,
0: no! Oh, no, but French. Danica, no! No!
1: (laughs) So. Then we cut to the gang driving and they're not driving in the mystery machine. They're actually driving in Le Machine Mystère. It's the exact same, (laughs) but they've repainted the part that says the mystery machine to say this instead. And I laughed so hard when I was watching
2: it. Is there a special place you pick that one up at the airport when you arrive at Charles
1: de Gaulle? Either that or they drive it and Fred's like, well, I got to take this to the auto shop because now we're in (laughs) Belgium, so we have to change the language of the mystery machine here. (laughs) So they're driving around and Fred, in this whole series, Fred has become lovably good-naturedly unintelligent, and it's great. Like, he's always trying his best, but he's just so silly. And usually when they go to other countries, it takes the form of him not knowing the language. And this is what happens here, because instead of saying bonjour to people, Fred says du jour to people. The day. Like, he's talking about soup, so it's very, yeah. So he's just saying of the day, of the day to everyone. (laughs) So the reason the gang is in Paris is that they were going to surprise Daphne's cousin, Danica, (gasps) who was up for model of the year. They show up to the place where the fashion expo is happening and they learn danica's been stolen by a gargoyle oh if i had a nickel for every time take it away to the wicked (laughs) witch of the west's castle (laughs) so when they show up they see the fashion designer from before as well as a blonde woman we have not met yet and we learn that this fashion designer's name is toddy stick figure oh my god so a tommy hill figure joke (laughs) toddy stick figure is talking with this blonde woman about the show going on despite Danica being captured. He says the show must go on, and he wants this blonde woman to replace Danica as the most featured model in the performance.
0: I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about the Tony stick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. They do this with a lot of names where there's an episode that it didn't really work for the show, but I did watch it where they had a Jane Goodall character and her name was Joan good sum instead of chain good (laughs) all. Like they do this with a lot of celebrity names and I'm so incredibly (laughs) here for it. Oh gosh. So Daphne overhears this and she's livid that they are not upset about Danica being stolen. Toddy seems very much way too okay with this. Even when pressed about it, Toddy says, of course I'm upset. That outfit was to be sold and was worth thousands. So he is very much not concerned about Danica being gone. He's more concerned just about him, his fashion show, etc. The blonde woman steps forward and introduces herself. She says that her name is Brooke Bjork, and she is Danica's roommate. And she says that she is absolutely distraught about her friend, roommate, co-worker, fellow model being stolen by, you know, a gargoyle. I'm sure she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I just
0: point out they're not called gargoyles, they're called grotesques? Oh. Because gargoyles have water coming out of their minds. Uh, oh.
1: Yeah. Bonus point for pedanticness, I love it.
0: Thank you. <laughs> pedanticness. Pe- uh, <laughs> one word,
1: I love it. <laughs> Another bonus point for realizing I made a pun without even trying by messing up the word pedantry, <laughs> yeah. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing we learn is that in attendance at the fashion show was going to be this world-famous French movie star named Guy Levarton. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Come, <laughs> a, come again, Mike. What was that? Uh, Guy Levarton. Uh, so, yeah, Guy, <laughs> Guy Levarton is uh, how the French people in this episode pronounce it. But I Googled how to spell it, and according to the Scooby-Doo Wikipedia, it is Guy Levarton. That is literally a joke from the producers that you've just pulled there. <laughs> oh, I see, I don't know the producers well enough to know is that another like celebrity name that they've done or
2: no no there's a, there's a guy who goes to the auditions when they're auditioning for springtime for hitler and one of the guys is like is calling out the next person to come in and audition and he goes
1: jack lebedieu jack lebedieu <clears throat> jack Lepidus" <laughs> Comedic genius, me! Look at this. I've done puns without realizing it. Channeling Mel Brooks, right now. I have made the same jokes Mel Brooks has made without, (laughs) without knowing. In good company, shoes. Clearly, my my unconscious is funnier than I am, so I need to find a way to channel (laughs) that. So, Velma reveals that he's a world famous movie star. She is absolutely smitten with him. Loves his work, etc. So while they are looking around for clues, they see a trail of coarse limestone. It's in this gray, goopy form, which feels like you could cover yourself in it if you wanted to look like a grotesque. Thank you. Not a gargoyle, <laughs> unless you had water to spare. And this trail of limestone leads into a manhole. Sorry, hang on, Mike. There's a trail of white gloopy stuff leading into a manhole. It is dark gray gloopy stuff. Okay. I'd be worried. <laughs> But I I am giving you a bonus point for pointing out that uh, the way I described it, not helpful. But I do, yeah, gloopy stuff to a manhole. All right. So Velma, Daphne, and Fred go into the manhole, which is leading to a sewer, not, you know, someone's bum. And Shaggy and Scooby go into Notre Dame to look for clues there. Shaggy and Scooby, when they're inside Notre Dame, run into, and I kid you not, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Quasi, he's there. Yeah. Awesome. So he's there. It is not Quasi. It is someone whose name is Sonny. He is the bell ringer. And he looks just like a a more athletically put together Hunchback of Notre Dame, but he's still wearing like the green shirt and the khaki pants and stuff. But his job is to ring the bells. Similar role, but it's not the same Disney character we've all grown to know and love. Sadness. So while the rest of the gang is down in the sewers, Velma is talking about how the French sewers in Paris are a tourist attraction, which is not true. No, that's the catacombs, surely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they get to the catacombs eventually, but while they're down in the sewer, they find Danica's clothing, her toddy stick figure attire. <laughs> they, fi- they find it down there. And also they see Gee running past them. They're very confused. But right after they ask, why is he running? Why is he here? They see a big flush of water going through the sewer. So that is pushes them, and they get whisked away down a corridor. But we cut back to Shaggy and Scooby, who are now talking with the hunchback who originally scared them, but he turns out to be this really nice guy, Sonny. He has food prepared for them. There is wine and cheese and bread because they're in Paris, and it's very nice. They have a good time until he starts talking about the what he says are gargoyles, so incorrect, as we've pointed <laughs> out. So he's being a little creepy about the gargoyles. He says that the gargoyles love having company, and he loves to clean the gargoyles. He has named all of the gargoyles. He goes into detail about what he does to clean the gargoyles. So it starts from Sonny being pretty normal and seeming like a nice guy and just being misunderstood to, oh, no, he is a little bit. Creepy. He
0: has a fetish for
1: gargoyle grotesque things. mm -hmm. So Sunny leaves to go get some more drinks for them, and then the live gargoyle shows up and flies off into the sky with Shaggy and Scooby.
0: (laughs) Is the gargoyle going to take them to the nest and feed them to his little gargoyle babies? Maybe.
1: So we cut back to Fred, Velma, and Daphne who have been flushed out of the sewer. Fred jokes that it's fun that they have actually been flushed out of a sewer for a change.
0: Can I just say, that's fucking disgusting.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gross. Thankfully in the cartoon, it's just like clear blue water but uh that's not how things normally would be no that's no but maybe for these new tourist attraction Parisian sewers they're actually really clean and fun <laughs> so once they get flushed out they see Shaggy and Scooby in the clutches of the gargoyle so they get into a taxi and chase after it and what is great is that they have a chasing song but it's in French. Uh, it's actually a really nice song. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what they were saying, but I appreciate that the Chasian song was uh, fitting the rest of the episode. Some bit of Edith
2: Piaf there. Yeah. Was it in like sort of slow motion, like sort of, you know, no, sort of 60 yeah,
1: frames yeah. a second? Yeah. Sort of, no. <laughs> Since the show came out in 2002, it's very pop punky. is what they go for. Like the theme song is made by Simple Plan. It's all kind of stuff like that. So it felt like that vibe, but... French.
2: <laughs> I appreciated it. And you may smoke a little cigarette while you listen. I'm just giving you a bonus point for whatever you just said.
0: He has no idea what he said. <laughs>
2: Is it with a French
1: accent?
0: I'm
1: gonna answer in a French accent now, so he'll think I'm right. So while Shaggy and Scooby are getting flown away by this gargoyle, they tickle its claws, which makes the gargoyle drop them. Now they are high above the sky, but thankfully earlier in this flight, they flew through laundry and it was kind of wrapped around them. So they get dropped, and then they are. Caught by the laundry safely on the Eiffel Tower, so uh, th- they're safe for now. The gang sees this, but when they look through their binoculars, they also see at the observation deck on the Eiffel Tower, Gee, He's there, and uh, they find that suspicious. They run up to go... He
0: got that fast? What the hell? I
1: know. They go up to try and save Shaggy and Scooby, and Gee actually helps them save Shaggy and Scooby. He first grabs one of the strings or whatever that the laundry was on, and then the rest of the gang comes and pulls them to safety. So it looked at first like he was doing some malicious stuff, but then he goes to save them. So the gang is very confused. Rightly so. Yeah. So they then talk to him about this and try to figure out what is up. Velma is absolutely smitten by him. And because of subtitles and stuff, she says, I've read every one of your movies, which I think is fantastic. He says that he was trying to find Danica because he and Danica are dating. So they decide to follow him to see if he was lying or not. And they follow him to Sacre-Coeur, another tourist destination. (laughs) All of the French landmarks. The only one they don't go to is the Arc de Triomphe, really. (laughs) So... They follow him all the way to sacre Corps and they see him meet up with Brooke, the blonde woman from before. They think this is suspicious, so they go and confront him and they say, what are you doing here with her? And he says, I'm teaching her how to hang glide. And the camera pans over and there's a giant hang gliding apparatus next to them. You know, as one does in France. Sure.
0: Right on the sacre Coeur.
1: <laughs> yep. Because there's definitely not a bunch of people around. This is also at night. Daphne says, you go hang gliding at night? And they say, yeah, it's the best way to see the lights of Paris.
0: Also the best way to crash and die at night, just so.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they jump off. They do their double hang glider situation and fly off into the night. And while they do so, Daphne says, huh, that flight pattern is very similar to the gargoyle. So raising further suspicions. So they try to see where they're going. And there is one of those telescope touristy lookout things. So Fred says, hey, this telescope takes these little quarter thingies. And Velma goes, those are Franks. And he goes, I thought they were mine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved the dad oh. joke.
0: The thing is though, all the little kids are going to be like, what What are Franks?
1: Mm-hmm. So they see that the two of them have flown to a limestone quarry. So they go to the quarry to investigate. They see more of this dark gray, not white goop that was near Notre Dame. And Velma points out, oh, this quarry may lead to the catacombs. And Shaggy and Scooby go, oh, what's that? And then once Velma describes that they are, you know, filled with bones of dead buried people, they are terrified. Zoinks! (laughs) Bones! Yeah, exactly. They try to run away, but of course, they fall and knock the rest of the gang into a tunnel, which leads them directly into the catacombs. So they're now inside the catacombs. They bump into Sonny, the bell ringer again. He says that he is there. He also followed the gargoyle. And they go, wait, you followed the gargoyle? And then that starts a gargoyle chase scene. And they escape from this chase scene. But part of the gargoyle's wing is broken. And they see that it's covered in rubber. And it looks like it's a wing suit. So it very much feels like a hang glidery vibe. So they have their big plan to try to capture the gargoyle and figure out what's up. So the plan is to dress Daphne up as Danica, since they are cousins, they look similar. So they give her a wig and put makeup on her and stuff. They're going to have her go back into the fashion expo, and then the gargoyle will want to capture her because that's what the gargoyle seems to be after. So they do this, they're at the fashion show, Sonny is trying to lure the gargoyle because he wants to get the gargoyle and the gargoyle does come through it snatches up Daphne dressed as Danica flies off to another location eventually the gang meets up saves Daphne and they make the reveal of who is the gargoyle so I turn to the two of you who is the grotesque and what (laughs) was their reasoning for doing all of this
0: I have a question first Did they find Danica when they found Daphne?
1: I will just say they have not found Danica yet. RIP. Whether or not she comes back is a mystery, but I will say Danica is found to be safe.
0: Okay, that's what I meant.
1: So she's not dead.
0: Like, they do find her. She's not just in the catacombs.
1: (laughs) No, she's alive. Do
0: you want to go? No, no, I went first last (laughs) time are you getting really competitive now and you're like I'm you always, have to go first i'm
2: really i am really competitive <laughs> know. you know this
0: okay i'm gonna it's
2: killing me that you've got more points than i, <laughs> I bet.
0: if i win is this gonna be like that time you played monopoly and you got really angry because i won yeah Fair okay i think it was brooke Ooh. okay that is the blonde one isn't it yes
1: brooke bjork
0: <laughs> that one <laughs> bb my girl bb <laughs> I'm going to say her because Danica was like the best model mm. and Brooke maybe wanted, you know, she maybe thought, no, I'm the best model. I need to get rid of her so that I can do the fashion show so that Tommy stick figure will <laughs> like me, whatever his name is, Toddy, sorry, Toddy <laughs> stick figure. And also if she's been having hand gliding lessons from Gee, that gives her the, thing for the suit
1: okay all right chris how about your guess
2: oh, i have not the first bloody clue <laughs> um, i have a selection of theories which i will rattle through and then just randomly pick one so my initial thought was that it would probably be the the jealous roommate yeah so i can see where you went with that one but you've gone with that one it'd be boring to go i agree <laughs> with ness i was leaning towards Ghee for a little while
0: it's kind of random how he just turned up yeah
2: that. i was like well, what's he doing here how did he get up there? All a bit weird. And then I was just thinking about well, why the hell is Sunny in the catacombs at the end? And well, we know like, he's a
0: bit weird. We
2: know he's a bit weird, but like, how did he
1: get there? Why is he there? Does he need to be there? No, he doesn't. He did clarify he was there because he had seen the gargoyle fly there and he followed it. That was his justification. Sure, but he appeared to have followed
2: it through an underground catacomb.
1: They don't say that he necessarily came from the catacombs. He could have just taken the same route that the gang did where they got to the quarry first and then got into the catacombs. Yeah, so that's a possibility. They never say how he got there.
2: If he's a hunchback of Notre Dame, I wonder maybe if he's got, like, all the flying apparatus, like, tucked away nicely in his hunch. Ah. That was my other thought. Um, Under
0: his little tunic. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and he just, like, pulls the strings and (laughs) they... Like... (laughs) wings up here okay it was a visual demonstration for the purposes of this podcast yeah <laughs> it looked great folks at home it looked phenomenal <laughs> works well on the radio uh, <laughs> for no particular reason at all i am going to go with Ghee. okay
0: Can i just say what I- if brooke and Ghee were working together
2: well maybe they were
1: <laughs> i think it was Ghee. i don't know why okay I am going to award Chris with a bonus point because Guy was involved, but he wasn't the only one. It was Guy and... I just said It that. was Guy and Danica. Oh, oh. sneaky bitch. Yeah, so basically Danica reveals that being this world famous model just became too much. So she wanted to leave it behind for a simpler life like her cousin Daphne. <laughs> with a gargoyle. The, yeah, so she is actually the grotesque. She took... Hang gliding lessons from Guy before. So Guy and her were kind of working in conjunction to organize this whole thing to where she would get taken and then Brooke would basically become the new top model. So it wasn't necessarily a jealousy thing, it was just Danica wanted to get out and lead a simpler life, like she says, her cousin Daphne. And then Velma's like, Daphne doesn't have a simple life, <laughs> hasn't she ever watched an episode of
0: Scooby-Doo? Lead a simple life flying through the skies dressed in lime.
1: <laughs> so yeah, she just wanted this, I guess, very normal disappearance. And then she would have a simpler life after- Afterwards, So that was uh, the mystery. If only she'd known that her bell tower was about to burn down. Ooh, mm-hmm. That leaves us going into our final mystery with the score six to five in favor of Ness. So it's very, Ooh, very silly. close. Oh my
0: God.
2: Oh, I'm going to have to be bloody funny on this one. <laughs> to overweigh your probably
1: correct guesses. So our final mystery is called Reef Grief with an exclamation point. The first thing we see is a giant coral monster rise out of the sea, and it starts attacking a group of people on a beach. But not only does it go and attack them, but they get sucked into the sand like it's quicksand. And then we cut to the gang. They're in Australia for a sandcastle competition.
2: Oh my God, I can already imagine the names.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, you had the Australian names.
1: Bruce McBruce. (laughs) (laughs) So the gang is there for a sandcastle competition where Shaggy and Scooby are the top-seeded competitors. They have this illustrious sandcastle. Castle making career. So Shaggy and Scooby meet someone named Frankie Martin, who is also entered in the competition. He plans to build a castle that he is calling the Italian Renaissance, and it's going to be Italian architecture inspired.
0: I would pay to see that.
1: Mm -hmm. I'd pay to stay there. It sounds like a hotel in Vegas.
0: It does, actually.
1: (laughs) I mean, when they build these things, they are actual castle-sized sandcastles. It's not small. They are fully 2 scale things. It's absurd. Now, Frankie is really excited to see Shaggy and Scooby because they are world-renowned for their sandcastle-building prowess. They apparently earlier in the year made a fully functional sand roller coaster with a loop in it. Sure. I wanna go. (laughs) So while they are getting ready for this sandcastle festival, which is supposed to start tomorrow, there's a band on a big festival stage that is being set up there practicing, but they're so loud that people practicing making their sandcastles, those sandcastles start to crumble. And this isn't just any band. It's not a generic band. It's a real band. And it's Smash Mouth. So, Smash to be. Mouth is in this episode, and it's just incredible. Steve Horwell does his own voice acting, so no one else from the band talks. So I guess they couldn't get the rest of the of the <laughs> Smash Mouth, but they got Steve, the lead singer. He's there, and he gets into an argument with Frankie, this Australian sandcastle builder, who's very upset that Smash Mouth is playing their music way too loudly. And they're going back and forth, and the only way the argument is broken up is by this very chill, hippie-dressed individual named Rama Yam. <laughs> he breaks it up by saying that they can all just live in harmony if the band keeps their decibels low. Keep your decibels low, man.
0: You mean? Really? Mm-hmm
1: very much like that. He's got a gross (laughs) goatee and really long hair and a tie-dye tunic and this big medallion. So he looks Uh, like Matthew Lillard then.
0: You know that he is going to Munchville for 420. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So Shaggy and Scooby's plan is to make this big rendition of King Arthur's Castle, but they also want to include a drive through window for a seafood restaurant. They are going to call this castle Clam-A-Lot. Oh That's my God. That's their plan. <laughs> I love it. So that is their plan, and Ramayam thinks it's a great plan. He is also running this sandcastle competition. He is overseeing it. He says, oh, we've invited all of the competitors to do some yoga. Why don't you join us? So they all start to do yoga, and while they and a lot of other people are doing yoga, the coral monster comes back, rises out of the sea, starts to attack them, people get sucked under the sand, the normal situation. Yeah, standard everyday coral monster attack.
0: Can I just ask, when you say sucked under the sand, do you mean like they're just gone?
1: They fall under as if they completely fell through a quicksand pit, but it's very rapidly, so it's very much like a whoop, and they are underground. okay. So, later that night, the gang is taking shelter in Shaggy and Scooby's castle, which they have started to build, <laughs> and while they are there, they hear a scream, and it's another coral monster attack, and once it starts to chase after Shaggy and Scooby for a while, in the classic chase scene nature of What's New Scooby-Doo, the monster goes back into the water. So they think that's strange that they were able to successfully outrun one of the monsters. Hmm. So they had gotten split up from the rest of the gang who sees Ramayam at the scene of the scream. They talk to him. He says that he went out to help, but while he was going to help people, three more people got sucked away. And Fred finds the medallion that Ramayam was wearing earlier semi-buried in the sand. And he goes, oh, I guess that fell off in the scuffle. After they have this conversation, two surfers come up. They have very thick Australian accents. Their names are Sean and Shauna, (laughs) and they are a surfing duo. But the suspicions that Velma raise is they say that they've been surfing, and Velma goes, we've been here all day, and we haven't seen anyone surfing. That's strange. So Mm. a little bit of suspicions raised for Sean and Shauna. Now, Shaggy and Scooby later on get attacked by the coral monster. It, like, lashes out seaweed like a rope, and it gets tied around their ankles and starts to drag them into the water. This guy's badass. Yeah, and while that is happening, people rise out of the sand like zombies. (gasps) So it gets a little creepy up in here. Thankfully, Fred is able to save them, and after they are brought to safety... Fred finds a little breathing tube, so maybe this is how the coral monster is breathing underwater. Who's to say? Mm. Cut to the next day. Shaggy and Scooby are working on their castle. Martin is working on his castle, and Steve from Smash Mouth is back. He comes up all upset because Smash Mouth's equipment was absolutely trashed. A bunch of the stuff is broken, and it's all covered in mounds of sand. So... Steve and Martin get back into another argument, and Martin looks way too happy about this situation. He makes jokes about how, oh, it looks like a work of art and I really appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. Another note that Velma brings up is that the only people who have gone missing are sandcastle builders. None of the band members are missing. So specifically, people entered in the sandcastle competition are gone. The only people left in the competition are Shaggy and Scooby and Martin. Now, another coral monster attack happens, but this time, Ramayam gets sucked into the sand. So they say, okay, we have to figure out what's going on and where everyone is going. So they set up a tracking device on Shaggy and Scooby, (laughs) and Shaggy and Scooby are going to be live bait, because since the coral monster only wants to get Sandcastle builders, they have to be the bait. And this happens, they get chased. They play a Smash Mouth song for the chase scene, which I think is great. I love when they get bands in the mix that they use their actual music. I love the idea of like guest artists. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. There was an episode where Simple Plan was actually involved in the mystery. And then all of the music for that episode was just regular Simple Plan songs. It's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Wasn't there like an episode of CSI where KISS were in it,
2: or am I making that up? I'm There's sure a there was...
1: Scooby-Doo episode with KISS. There is.
2: There is. There's a CSI Vegas with Chris Angel, that's what I think. Oh, I'm thinking.
1: Uh, Mind Freak, wow. That is the most 2002 sentence possible, I think. I know. <laughs> we went to see Mind Freak, didn't we? When did. We were in- You did? What did he do? What was the coolest thing?
0: He was he, actually he really just, good. He like,
2: ripped his shirt open a lot and
0: <laughs> kind yeah, of went, freak! a lot. It was very obvious that he loved himself, but the magic was good.
2: I mean, if you're headlining a magic show in Vegas, to be fair, the MGM very kindly gave us free tickets, so it wasn't necessarily our choice to go and see him, but it was an enjoyable evening. Yeah. And he he did some very clever stuff, just mostly half naked. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and
0: with half-naked women.
2: And I have to say, completely beside the point but he impressed me because he does this he does a lovely trick where he's releasing doves out of christ knows which orifice in his body and they all come flying out into <laughs> his hole. And, Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know they all fly off and disappear into a little box at the back of the auditorium and one of them didn't and it landed in the middle of the audience and he literally like halfway through the show just went nope stop lights on oh cool we need to find Give this bird, bird. Wow. we're not going any further until we've got the bird and it's okay and i, I was like oh okay yeah yeah cool
0: Good human. Yeah.
1: Nice person. Mind freak, nice guy. Or like, yeah, mind freak heart of gold? Mind freak gold heart? Something. He's a nice guy, cares about <laughs> animals. We got there. So He's an uh, angel. He's an ah, angel. Ah, oh, yeah. There it is. Okay. Bonus point for Chris, which is out, yeah. Time. To the game. <laughs> Now, after this attack, the surfers are back, and it's the same thing where Velma goes, we have not seen anyone surfing. What the hell is happening? And they reveal that they are upside down surfers, so. (laughs) Well, they are in Australia, so. (laughs) They wear scuba gear. And they latch into their surfboards, and then they have some sort of propeller-ish device on the back where they ride the wave, but upside down. It's their own invention. So. Can
0: I just say literally not possible <laughs> there's yeah. a bloody
1: coral reef? Truly impossible. So they do say that they got out of the water when they saw this coral monster. So that's their reasoning for being where they are now. So... The Shaggins could be tracking dots that the gang had set up shows that the two of them are under the Great Barrier Reef. So the gang goes out with scuba gear to try and find them.
0: Oil pipeline.
1: Oh, you're not too far off. So Shaggins could be find the other people, and they are hypnotized-esque. They feel very zombie-esque. They're all digging under the Great Barrier Reef. They're making some big tunnel. So Shaggy and Scooby decide to play along and act like they're doing it too and try to figure out what's up. So the rest of the gang finds them, and then Shaggy and Scooby, very like ventriloquist all like, we're pretending, like with winks and not opening their mouth, act like they're doing it too. So the gang is going to try to go along with this, but unfortunately they're doing this and Fred knocks over a giant Structure, so it gives it away that they are not perfect zombies or whatever. So they all get chased by these zombie made people, and Ramayam is among them. There is a chase scene that's going on. Part of this chase scene involves the tunnel getting a hole punctured in it, so water starts rushing in. And the coral monster shows up, but it saves Scooby from being stuck in the tunnel and safely delivers him back to shore. The rest of the gang is able to get back on the boat that Fred, Velma, and Daphne used to scuba dive down underneath to find them. So they are all brought to safety, and then the reveal is made of who is behind this whole big scheme. So I turn to the two of you. What is up and who's behind this? This is the Uh hardest. This is really tricky. It's a tricky one. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have.
0: You're going first.
2: My gut instinct is that it is what whatever his name is Frankie Valley and the four sandcastles Steve What's
1: Frankie Martin
2: Frankie oh, yeah. Martin because then na- the obvious thing is that he's trying to eliminate the competition he's only taking out sandcastle builders that seems like the obvious choice. that was my gut instinct. However, for reasons yet again unknown, I am going to go with your man Steve from Smash Mouth. And he's got some (laughs) weird and ulterior motive. Because quite honestly, why else is he there? Apart from the fact that he's playing a festival and I assume promoting a... New album on Scooby? T- like what? It doesn't really work. Like that. it's not like going on a chat show, is it, to promote your new work? Like you don't go on a kids' animation to no.
1: Next level marketing from Steve from
2: Smash Mouth. Always got to innovate. Steve from Smash Mouth, who quite honestly we haven't heard enough from in this story or life generally. Where has he been under the Great Barrier Reef, sucking people into the sand?
0: I wondered what you were going to say at the end.
2: Yeah, you, I know. You did.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to go Ramayam.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: Ramayama ding-dong.
1: Has there been a Ramayama ding-dong? Yeah. <laughs> is there a reason or was it just so that you had an excuse to say Ramayama ding-dong? <laughs> Which is completely valid. <laughs> no,
0: there is a reason. Although well, no, there think... is a grain
1: of truth in that. Mmm.
2: <laughs> mm. What? Sorry, was it's a, sand a, was a sand joke. It was a sand joke. Oh. truth.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> you're unbelievable. <laughs> Can it sand bay?
2: <laughs> I think you're jumping the sides out on that joke
0: oh my god oh my god stop stop because you're gonna earn points (laughs) shut up shut up anyway i'm going to carry on i think it was him because he's invited all these people to the sandcastle competition sounds like a great distraction if you're trying to build you know an oil pipeline under the great barrier reef Mm. it's like I know. I'll invite all these people. Oh, I'll also invite my good friend Steve from Smash Mouth <laughs> because mm. the music will drown out my drilling for oil.
1: Well, I'm happy to let you know that, Ness, you are correct. It was <laughs> Ramayam <laughs> and you are so very close to what it was. Now, Chris, I did give you two bonus points for uh, first thinking it was Steve from Smash Mouth and then also the, the grain joke was very solid. So the final Thank score you, will be 19. to 8. But, Ness, you were <laughs> so close to the money. So what he was doing was trying to build the reefway. So he's not actually Ramyon, he's some dude named Spencer Johnson in disguise as Ramyon. He's basically like they were ahead of their time. He's an Elon Musk spoof basically. <laughs> oh. He wanted to make this highway under the ground called the reefway. So the sand castle people we're getting sucked down because they're so good at building and digging stuff yeah. that they could help make this tunnel. Damn. And then his medallion that he's wearing, he used to hypnotize them into ah. following his orders. So that was his whole master plan.
0: What was the straw bit about?
1: The breathing tube thing? Yeah. I think that was just a misdirect to make you think it might be the surfers uh. since they use scuba gear to do their upside down surfing. Yeah. So I think it was just a, a misdirect there. But... That was what was going on with Ramayam slash Spencer Johnson, this bullshit entrepreneurial guy that wants to make an undersea freeway. And then it's revealed that the coral monster is real. So it just is a coral monster. (laughs) Yeah, there was even a point where Daphne goes, so you're telling me for once the monster is actually a monster? And Velma's like, yeah, coral is actually a living organism because it technically is, but not to the extent that the coral monster exists. But, you know... That is the the surprising nature of it, is that the monster was actually real, but he was a good guy because he saved Scooby and he didn't actually do any of the sucking people under the sand. That was all of the Ramayam slash Spencer Johnson stuff. So what was the coral monster doing? Oh,
0: he's probably like, hey, don't litter. Leave my Coral alone. It's
2: just that his unfortunate language is going,
0: Well, Coral doesn't speak.
1: Yep, that's exactly it. It's they were messing with his Coral. He was upset and he can only communicate in groans. But thankfully, the episode ends with Smash Mouth putting on a big concert and everyone's really happy. Of course. That's how that episode ends. And uh, now we're at the end of this episode. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. Do we know who won the Sandcastle competition? Oh, so it ends up being Martin because... Shaggy and Scooby's King Arthur thing got destroyed uh, in the mess of all of this. So, what they ended up doing, though, was they made a giant ice cream cone instead, but then Scooby ate it because it looked too good. So, they didn't win. Martin won.
0: I would like to go to Clam a Lot, but I'd be afraid to pull up to the drive-through window in case I clam up.
1: Don't worry, the game is over. No more need for puns. <laughs> oh. It was incredibly selfish of you to try and do that. <laughs> We will be here for twelve hours with all of these puns. So Ness, you have won. You have earned money for the Albert Kennedy Trust. You are the victor with a final score of nine to eight. How does it feel to reign victorious?
0: So bloody good. I'm gonna hold this over Chris's head for years to come.
1: <laughs> Chris, you have Valley Lee. It was very close. Eight to nine is a barn burner of an episode. I am sorry if this ruins your day. Yeah. That's not. That's that's good. Um, congratulations
2: to my to my um, housemate and. Ah! <laughs> Hello, uh
0: and that is that's how we broke up no
1: (laughs) i'm very sorry to be at the root of all of this uh, but thank you both so much for joining thank you for having us mike oh of course if there's anything that you're doing uh online or otherwise that you want people to check out where can they go what can they do
2: i will be hopefully vaccines and travel allowance permitting somewhere in a comic-con near you in the hopefully not too distant future i've got a diary full of exciting things from america to australia to all around europe that hopefully will be happening in 2021 in the meantime i'll be um wherever you want me mostly be online you can check out my website it's chrisrankin.co.uk if you're missing conventions and there is lots of signed goodies and things to be purchased there which help poor suffering actors like myself that is of course a joke half the money we earn from my web store goes to the Albert Kennedy Trust yeah. so win win for them tonight
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's great yeah yeah I'd just like to say you know look after yourselves look after your family uh, alright Jerry Springer I know. <laughs> uh, trans rights are human rights and black lives matter amazing
1: what a perfect thing to promote and what a great ending note for this episode so thank you all so much and listeners thanks for listening and you know I gotta say you two are very good at solving these mysteries you are on no, top no, of no, it no so no no we we weren't (laughs) (laughs) Ness was was. good and you made a lot of puns that's what I'm here for
2: I've got to the age where dad jokes are all I have left
1: well it was wonderful and the two of you are truly some of the finest meddling adults Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. The art is by Maayan Atias and Kelly Schubert. The music is by Bettina Campamanez and Brandon Grugel. And the web design is by me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to support the show, you can do so in a couple different ways. On a monthly basis, you can do so at patreon.com slash meddlingadults. You'll get access to bonus audio, early episode releases, and more. If you want to support and just make a one-time donation, you can do so at paypal.me slash meddlingadults. And both of these methods of support help us raise even more money for charity. We first cover all expenses and then all of the remaining funds go to the winning charities from this season. If you're not in a place right now where you can support the show monetarily, but you still want to help out, you can do so by telling someone about the show, whether you post about it on social media, reach out to someone directly, or leave a rating interview online. If you want to learn more about the show, you can go to our website, meddlingadults.com. And if you want to follow the show on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at meddlingadults, or on Reddit at reddit.com r meddlingadults. Thanks again so much for listening, and hope to see you for the next episode of Meddling Adults. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto
0: Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.